Thanks for joining us today. We believe that God wants to bless you right where you are. In fact, my hope and prayer for you today is that through this service, you'll be encouraged, your spirit will be lifted, you'll gain some new insight or perspective, and you'll learn some practical ways to improve your life. If you've been blessed in any of these ways and you'd like to help us reach more people with our message, you can partner with us financially by going to eclife.org forward slash giving and select the giving option that works best for you. Again, thanks for joining us today. We hope this service is a real blessing to you. Well, welcome to Emmanuel. How are you feeling today, church? I hope you're excited to be here today. Hey, if you are a guest with us in our home today, we say welcome to you. We hope that you experience, your experience thus far has been a good one, and you feel comfortable and you feel the love. Do you feel the love today? Uh, we hope you do. We prepared for you, we planned for you, and we prayed for you, and so thank you for being our guest here today. Um, if you're a regular attender, you know we're in a series right now called All In. We're actually wrapping up this series today. It's a three-week series. And what we've been saying in this series is pretty simple. We've been talking about this idea that it's possible for you and I to live in something called the spiritual zone or something Jesus called the abundant life or something the Apostle Paul called life in the spirit. Jesus didn't just come to this earth to die on a cross to take us to heaven when we die. He did that. Yes, anybody excited about that? Going to heaven? Okay, that's awesome. But he also came to give us an abundant life right now, a certain quality of life. Now, when we say someone is in the zone, we know what they mean, right? We know that they're talking about someone who's just killing it. They're just hitting on all cylinders, man. They're just, they're just rocking it out in their particular area of expertise, whether it's writing or singing or, or I don't know, whatever, whatever, some sort of sport, right? We say that when, we're, when they're in the zone, we're like, wow, look at that person go. Well, we believe that there is a spiritual zone that you can live in. But the problem is that not many people are living that abundant life. This type of life where you're walking with God in the presence of God and hearing his voice, where you're living with deep levels of joy and peace and love. And there's, there's a lot of calm in your spirit. You're living in victory above temptation and sin, and you're living above fear and worry, and you're living in such a way that, that you have courage and deep faith. And you're able to forgive those who offend you easily. The abundant life eternal life, the life that Jesus came to give you and I. There's not many people who are living that way. In fact, most people are just kind of struggling to get by. Most people are living with very low levels or high levels of anger in their life. Have you ever taken a trip down 135 <laughs> or 37? And all you have to do is kind of watch people and you see, you can see it. The anger is right there at the surface and all you have to do is cut them off or hit the brakes too soon or not hit the gas soon enough and you see that, that anger that's, that's lying right beneath the surface. That's where most people are at. Why are we not experiencing life in the zone the way Jesus described it? I believe it's because we're not going all in. We're not pushing all the chips in on this deal. We're not giving ourselves over to Christ or God or the Spirit in a way that his life would take over our life and lead to abundance of life. And so what we've been talking about is what does it look like to go all in? Week one, we talked about trusting God with our entire life, not just certain areas of our life, right? That was week one. Last week, we talked about connecting to the vine through the weekend service and hearing, faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ and getting in a small group and practicing spiritual disciplines. And so we talked about that last week. So if you can go back and watch those two talks online if you missed it. Today, what I want to do is kind of finish up this conversation by starting with a quote from Mark. Mark Twain, okay, Mark Twain, he said this, Mark Twain said, the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out 
why. American novelist Mark Twain, also noted atheists. Come to church, we start with a quote from an atheist. There you go. Okay. But I really love this quote because I think he was spot on. I think it was so true. Two most important days of your life, the day you were born and the day you find out why. When a person discovers, tell me if you agree with this or not, when a person discovers their purpose, why they were put on this planet, don't they come alive? Doesn't their life seem to make sense? Things just kind of fall into place and life becomes exciting and you get out of bed every day with, with urgency because you know your purpose. Isn't that true, yes or no? The opposite is devastating. In your notes there, watch this. The results of not knowing your purpose, not knowing why God put you on this earth, the results are devastating. I'm going to work you through, through a few of these devastating results in your notes there. The first one is that people who don't know their purpose suffer from deep levels of emptiness. There's this, this deep dissatisfaction in their life, this emptiness inside of their soul. They don't know why they're here. They, there's, no, there's no urgency to get up in the morning. There's, there's nothing to give their life over to. There's just an emptiness. And because there's an emptiness, there's also a wandering that takes place. They just kind of wander through life aimlessly, <laughs> going down lots of different directions. And this wandering leads to going down to, to, to taking the wrong paths, doesn't it? You're wandering through life, and when you don't have a goal, and when you're, not, when you're not living on purpose, listen, you'll go down any road. And so lots of people take the wrong path, and they get into relationships they should have never gotten into. Right? You know anybody like this? They go places they should never have gone, and because they went to those places, things happen that should have never happened. You know anybody like this? Well, why were you even there? I don't know. It was Friday night. We just, everybody else was going, so I went. They're wandering through life without purpose, and they, they go down the wrong paths, and because of that, there's all kinds of negative consequences in their life. People look at these folks who go down wrong paths and live without purpose, and here's what they say. What unfulfilled potential. Ah, oh, if they could have only focused in their life, they have so much potential, so much talent, so much skill, but because they wouldn't get their life together and live on purpose and live with a focused life, there's just all this unfulfilled potential. Maybe you have a, a child like this a 20-something child, and you're just hoping and wishing that someday someone will tap into them and get them motivated and create some ambition in their life, and they'd get all kinds of focus and make something of their life. Hey, maybe you're a 20-year-old something, and you've got a parent like this, and they're now in their 50s or 60s, and you're, man, if they could just focus their life in, if somebody could say something, if they could read a book, if they could have some sort of experience, they would, they would actually get their life on track and not end up with all this unfulfilled potential. Which, of course, in the end, that leads to a bunch of regret. People go through their life, and they look back, and they have tons of regret. It was author and speaker Robin Sharma who said this, One of the saddest things in life is to get to the end and look back in regret, knowing that you could have been, done, and had so much more. One of the saddest things in life. You go through your whole life, and because you never focused in on a purpose, never focused in on a job or a task or, or some, some sort of calling, you get to the end, and all you have is a bunch of regrets. The results of not knowing your purpose are absolutely devastating. It's a price that you and I do not want to pay. The most important days, the two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. 
See, in the opposite side of things, and you notice this is also true. When a person discovers their purpose, as I've already said, life comes together. Life begins to make sense. A person comes alive. There's a, life becomes a, an exciting adventure, a journey to be lived. Am I right? When you discover your purpose, man, life, you, you have all kinds of excitement and passion in life. Because you know there's a reason behind your existence. Can I tell you today, maybe no one's ever told you this before, but I want to tell you today, it seems simplistic, but it's really not. Sometimes common sense is not so common. You were created for a purpose. God has a purpose in mind for your life. It's why he created you. You know one of the things I love about purpose and finding my purpose in life, and I'm one of those, I'm one of those, I guess you could say, lucky people that really knows their purpose, and my days have meaning, and my months have, have intention, and my years have, 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 there's a reason behind my life, at least I feel. One of the beautiful things about knowing your purpose is that when you come across some lows, which everybody goes through lows, right? Anybody get any water in their, in their basement last couple days? <laughs> It's a crazy thing how water finds the cracks. Isn't that funny how that works? There's lows in life. The water gets in. You know, the marriage falls apart. The sickness, the disease, you get diagnosed, right? Something, something gets stolen. There's some sort of betrayal going on in your life. Anybody else going through these days with me? Weeks and months, right? There's lows in life. Well, if you're living without purpose, guess what happens? Those lows become the story. They do, don't they? If there's no overarching purpose to your life, the lows, the, the water getting in, the marriage struggles, the diagnosis, the, the problems with the children, they become the story, which is why when you see certain people, you don't ask them how they're doing. <laughs> anybody have anybody in their life like that? You wouldn't dare say, hey, how's it going? Because you know what you're going to get is the lowest low in that moment. And the lowest low in that moment is the purpose of their life, so they're going to unload it on you because the low has become the story of their life. See, if there is no overarching story to your life, then the lows become the story of your life. But when you have purpose, guess what happens? I love this. The lows become chapters in the story chapters in the book. They become moments that you overcome, that you struggle through, that have meaning. They're there to make you stronger. They're there, there to give you insight. They're there to, for God to teach you something you wouldn't have otherwise learned. And I love that about my life because I have lows just like everybody else, but I look at them totally differently. I look at them in the context of the overall story and purpose of my life. So they don't get me down. Sure, I have days that I'm down, but when I see them through the context of the story, I go, wow, God, what are you doing here? This is extraordinarily painful, but I know you have a purpose behind it. Isn't that beautiful? Maybe if you've taken a psychology class, you've heard of a guy named Abraham Maslow. Anybody taking a psychology class? Think back way back to high school or college. Abraham Maslow, he died in 1970. He was a psychologist. He came up with that pyramid thing called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. He's also a noted atheist. So, so far, we've heard, we were going to hear from two atheists before we've ever even heard from Jesus. But he had, some, he had some really good insights. In Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs, he basically put this together. There on the bottom, there's basic needs like food and water and all that stuff and safety and security. And then you get a little bit higher in the emotional needs like, you know, esteem and belonging and friendships and love and all those different things. And then at the peak level, these are the people who are functioning at their full potential. They realize that they're calling, they're, they're hitting on all cylinders. They're, you could say they're living in the zone. He calls it self-actualization, achieving one's full potential, including creative activities. 
He was spot on, even without the Bible, even without the words of Jesus. Listen to what Maslow said. He said, in examining self-actualizing people or people who have made it to the top of the triangle, I find that they are dedicated people devoted to some task, watch this, outside themselves, some vocation or duty or beloved job. He continues, generally the devotion and dedication is so marked that one can fairly use the old words vocation, calling, or mission to describe their passionate, selfless, and profound feelings for their work. They don't just get up and go through the motions. They've given themselves over to something. You could even use the words destiny or fate. Wow. He would just watch people who were functioning at the top of their game, living in the zone. These people were giving themselves over to a higher purpose that was outside of themselves. I love it. Purpose. You were created for purpose. It's the way God has designed you. I picked up a book recently called Resilience. Uh, written by a former Navy SEAL, re- Navy SEAL, retired Navy SEAL. And uh, I'm only four chapters in, but man, I'm already, I'm already into this book. And I want, I want you to hear a, a little portion of the book because he spent some time in a Bosnian refugee camp and when, he, when, he, when he was about 20, 22 years old. I was like, wow, I've never, I've never heard from somebody who spent time in a, in a refugee camp. Listen to what he says here. This is amazing. All the refugees had seen brutality and destruction. They had lost everything that they had owned. Let that sink in. Every possession they had was gone. Many had lost friends and family. And now they are trapped in this camp, living in shacks, feeding on bread and rumors. Everyone suffered. It seemed that the people who were doing best in the camp were often the parents and the grandparents of young children. He says, they knew that they had to wake up every day and be strong for someone else. Isn't that interesting? Watch this. The people who were having the hardest time in the camps were the young adults and the older teenagers. They felt that their lives had been cut short. They woke up every day with no prospects for a job or for school. Marriage seemed to make little sense to them. I remember them at a party in the camp's common room, downing their beers, then smashing the bottles on the concrete floor. The war had made them aimless, and aimlessness hurts. Watch this. The teenagers, on the other hand, who were doing the best were often the ones who found something else to do. They volunteered in the kindergarten or coached the youngest kids as they played soccer. The people who did their best, who were doing the best, in other words, found a way to live for something at a time when a lot of people around them didn't know that there was anything to live for at all. Wow. Purpose. We need it. We need it to thrive. You and I need purpose to reach that top peak, to reach the abundant life, to live in the zone. So some of you are probably wondering, what, has, what did Jesus have to say about this at all? Is this even in the Bible? It is. In fact, one time Jesus was telling a story about what the kingdom of God was like. And he said it's sort of like a master who's got a bunch of talents, and a talent was basically 75 pounds of silver. And he said, and Jesus says, the master gives five bags of silver to one servant, basically five talents. And to another servant, he gives two talents, and to another servant, he gives one talent. He says, this is what the kingdom's like. And the master says, invest my money. And then he goes off a long way, and he comes back after, after some time, and he wants to settle accounts with his servants. And so the f- f- first servant, he says, okay, I gave you five bags of silver. Let's say, what did you do with them? The servant says, well, here's what I did. I doubled your money. I've got five more bags of silver. 
And the second one did the same thing. And the third one, unfortunately, just buried it in the ground and did nothing. Jesus had some choice words for him. I can't get into that right now. But let me tell you what Jesus said to the person who doubled his money. Watch this. Matthew 25. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this, say it with me, small amount. That's your life on earth right now. The small amount of responsibility. God has given you talents. He's given you things to do. And he's given you time to do it. And because you've been faithful with the small amount, here's what I'm going to do. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. You want to know what the kingdom of God is like? You want to know what it's like to live in God's world? Here's what it's like. It's like God's given you a certain level of talents. Certain, certain amount of things to be done on this side of heaven. And if you're faithful in doing those things and executing those things, when, when, when the day comes for your judgment, God's going to say to you, wow, well done. And because you were faithful in the small amount of things I gave you to do on this earth, guess what? I have many more things for you to do in the next life. See, some of us think that heaven, this is a kind of a side note here, some of us think that heaven is like we're going to go there and we're going to like hang out on the clouds and have wings and little halos around our head and maybe shoot some, shoot some angels with arrows or something. I don't know. Sing songs for all eternity, you know. That's not heaven. You know what heaven's like? This is just a little insight here. Heaven is going to be a lot like earth. It's a kingdom. And there's lots of responsibilities there. That God's going to give you. Yes, there'll be no cancer. There'll be no lying or stealing. And there'll be no you know, theft or, or, or murder. Or any, of course, it'll be totally sinless. But it's going to be a kingdom. And you're going to live there. And it's going to be a society. And there's going to be responsibility. And what you are responsible for in the next life is determined by how responsible you are now with what God has given you here. Does that make sense? Anybody? Amen? Hopefully that clarifies. So what, what are we talking about here? We're talking about purpose. What has God given you to do on this side of heaven? There are specific things. Small, there's a small amount that he's put you over. What are those things? That is the purpose of your life. You with me? And when you find that purpose and you start to live in it, that's when you start to experience this thing called abundant life. So some of you are probably wondering, great, great, that's awesome. I, I, okay, well, how, do I find, how do I find out, you know, what's going on? Well, here, here's the deal. Here's what you have to know. God, in your notes, God has given you a specific gift. He's given you a specific gift. Every single one of you has a gift, probably more than one. I could say to you today, congratulations, you're gifted. <laughs> Let's just celebrate. You have a gift. You think I'm making this up? I'm not. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 says it this way. In his grace, God has given different, say it with me, gifts. He's given different gifts for doing certain things well. God has given you a gift. In verse 7 and 8, Paul goes through this whole list of gifts. Some prophecies, some have the gift of teaching, some have the gift of encouragement, some have the gift of mercy and service and all these things. He's not giving an exhaustive list. You can check it out later when you go home, Romans 12, 7. There's a lot more gifts than just those. There's, some people can build stuff. Some people are great with numbers. That's a gift. Some people are great with music, right? There's, there's, there's a guy back here. He's actually here today. His name's Chris. Hi, Chris. How are you? Chris is back there. He's our sound guy. He knows how things sound. If a song sounds good or if a singer is off or not off or on key or pitch. I don't even know what those words mean. Pitch. Pitch what? Pitch a baseball? <laughs> like what? I don't know. But he knows how things sound. I don't know how things sound. I don't have that gift. Sometimes I'll be watching American Idol with my wife, well, years ago. 
And I would say to her, is that good? And she'd say, that's not good. And I'd say, I didn't know. I thought it was good. She can hear. Chris can hear. I can't hear how things sound. I don't know. It's just not a gift I have. So, but we all have different gifts in order to do certain things well. Why do you have that gift? Why has God given you that gift? Well, there's a purpose to it. Watch the purpose in your notes there. God has given you this gift to make an impact in the lives of others. It's not for you. I mean, I'm sure it is to some degree. God, God allows you to use your gift to, to make a living, you know, but it goes way beyond you because I don't know if you've heard, but there's seven billion of us on this planet. How could it be for you alone? God has given you a specific gift so that you can make an impact in the lives of others. I love what President Woodrow Wilson said. This is a great, great quote. He said, you're not here simply to make a living. You're here to enable the world to live more amply, with greater vision, with a greater sense of hope and achievement. You're here to enrich the world. And if you impoverish yourself, if you miss this errand, love that idea. You're not here just for you. I guess there's a thing out there today that people are saying to, to other people like, no, it is about me. It's time that it's about me. Have you heard this? I, mean, I haven't heard this. I just heard this from some other people. But apparently that's, that's, it's becoming hip and cool to say, you know what? I'm tired of thinking of others. It's now going to be about me. And I'm just here to tell you, it's never going to be that way. It's always going to be about other people. God has gifted you. He's given you a specific gift for a purpose, to make an impact in the lives of other people. So here's what I want to do today. I want to help some of you discover your purpose by helping you discover what your gift is. I'm going to work you through four questions. These four questions have helped me immensely to discover my gifting and my purpose and how to make an impact in this world. Okay? Some of you might be sitting there thinking, well, I don't know what my gift is. Well, guess what? I heard somebody say, and I don't even know if this is true necessarily. It sounded true to me. You can check on it. Somebody said you can do at least one thing better than the next 10,000 people. I thought that was pretty cool. There's at least one thing that every single one of you can do that is better than the next 10,000 people in the United States. I think that's true. You have to leverage that gift and use it to make an impact in the lives of other people. Let me give you these four quick questions. Number one, what are my strengths? What am I good at? What do I do well? Okay, and if you've lived long enough, if you're not a middle school student or a high school student, uh, maybe you haven't lived long enough to figure this out. Maybe you have. But if you're older than that, you should know by now what you, what you do well, what you're good at. By just basically by looking at the feedback that other people have given you. Hey, you do that well. You should, you should write more. You should sing more. You should you know, fix stuff more. You should work with your hands more. You should work with numbers more. You're really gifted in that area. That's a strong area for you. Where are you strong? Okay? That's a, that's a great question. Just got to think that through. Do a little research in your life. Look back on your history. Number two, where am I passionate? Where am I passionate? What triggers, what triggers the energy in my life? What makes me sing? What makes me come alive? What, what gets my, my juices going? I don't know how you want to ask it, but you, it's all the same stuff, right? Another way to say it is what's breaking my heart? Sometimes it's, sometimes it's an injustice. It's a thing that's wrong. You know, you, it's something you have to fix. I love what Bill Hybels, Pastor Bill Hybels said at Willow Creek Community Church in his book, Holy Disconsent. He said this, what's breaking your heart is probably breaking God's heart. And that's a clue. That's a clue to your purpose in life and what you're supposed to be doing with your time here on earth. Where am I strong? What am I passionate about? I love the story of Kelly Llewellyn. Some of you know Kelly. She, she went to Nicaragua about 12 years ago. 
And uh, by her own admission, she said, I, I had took these teenagers to Nicaragua. I really didn't want to go. My main goal was to get these, these kids home safe. That was all I wanted to do. <laughs> and so she takes these teenagers, a group of, I don't know, 15 or so teenagers, to Nicaragua. And guess what happened there? Her heart was broken for the kids, for the people in Nicaragua. That was 12 years ago. Then she met this crazy guy named Bill Llewellyn, <laughs> who he, she, they got married. Now they have this ministry called Hope Road Nicaragua that many of us support. In fact, if you give any financial gift to the church, you support Hope Road Nicaragua. They now reach thousands of people in Nicaragua. Dozens of churches have been planted. Feeding centers. Crusades. It's unbelievable what God is doing through Hope Road Nicaragua. How did that all start? It started when Kelly Llewellyn's heart was broken for the people of Nicaragua. What are my, pa- what are my strengths? What are my passions? Number three, where, are, where am I on my journey? Where am I on my journey? It's so critical. Some of you are just getting started. You trusted Christ maybe a few weeks ago, maybe last year. Some of you trusted Christ to be your Savior you know, 15, 20 years ago, maybe longer. Well, where you serve, where you give, where your purpose is going, to be, is, kind of be, is going to be dictated a lot by where you're at on your journey. See, if you just got saved, if you just trusted Christ, we're probably not going to ask you to lead a small group at church, okay? It's going to take some time to do that. We're not going to put you in charge of a small group. We're probably not going to ask you to start a ministry in Nicaragua or anything like that. We're probably going to ask you to do something very simple, very easy. It doesn't require a lot of spiritual maturity. It lets you have time to grow. I remember when I per- first put my faith in Christ, it was probably two years into it. I was in a local church, and I said, hey, I want to li- like to help out. And the guy said, well, you got a good smile. Why don't you stand at the door over there and shake hands? I said, I can do that. <laughs> I don't know if you know, but that's called the shallow end of the pool, okay? <laughs> and I had a great time. In fact, I did it this morning. I love to greet, make people smile, give high fives. Love my first job. That was my first job in church. And then uh, it wasn't long after that, you know, my, I was tapped on the shoulder and my mentor said, well, why don't you come inside and, and, and serve some coffee and orange juice? I was excited. Coffee and orange juice? This was going to be great. Went inside, man, I mastered that. I was smiling at people, handing out coffee, cream and sugars over there, you know. And then he tapped me on the shoulder and said, well, you know what? You seem to have a really good personality. Why don't you try to do the announcements for the class? I was like, whoa, get up in front of other people and talk? Are you crazy? It's nuts. You know how people have a fear of public speaking? I certainly did. But I got up there, and I did the announcements and fumbled through it, and the guy said, hey, that was pretty good. A couple months went by, he tapped me on the shoulder and said, I'm going out of town. Would you teach the class? Teach the class? This was a class of my peers. I was about 19 years old. I'm thinking, well, some of them are older than me. What do I have to say to them? But I stepped into that and discovered that I had the gift of talking in front of people. Amazing. Who knew? Who knew? I had no idea. And the rest is history. See, but I didn't jump in as the teacher. I jumped in as the greeter. Does that make sense? So you have to ask yourself this question. Where am I on the journey? Your fit in the body is going to, determine, is going to be determined by where you're at on the journey. Let me give you this last one. I love this one. This is very, very practical. Where is there a need? Just where, like, where is there a need? You just heard us talk about how every summer... Uh, we, give, we try to give our children's workers here at the church a break for the summer, and so we ask other people to jump in. And Sometimes, you know, it's not really about your strength, and it's not really about your passion, and it's not really about, you know, maybe your, you know, your spiritual maturity level, but it's about, okay, there's a need there. 
And you just jump in and you start serving because of the need. So you just look around and say, okay, where, do, where, 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 do, where does someone need help? That's where I'm going to jump in. Now, if you like to bully little three-year-olds and four-year-olds, we probably won't plug you in into the children's ministry. Um, so it's not a slam dunk. So, uh, but we will try to find you a fit based on these four questions. You have a purpose. God's created you with a purpose. He's given you a gift so that you can make an impact in the lives of other people. I want to share a quick story with you from a family called the Fries. This is their, this is their family right here. Um, this is Gary Fry and his family. This is, what, this is their testimony. I love it. When we heard that Emmanuel was launching a campus in the Franklin area in 2015, we knew that we wanted to be a part of that community. Although, we, although uh, to begin with, we were unsure of how God wanted to use us at that campus, we just dove in. The staff came right alongside of us to help each one of us figure out our gifts, what our gifts were, and what, God, what gifts God gave us so we could use them in the local church. This was especially helpful because our son had some special needs, and Christian Sutt, the production assistant at Franklin, worked one-on-one with, with our son and continues to do so today. Currently, all four of us are serving in areas we're passionate about. Nicole, my wife, we both serve on the starting point team, the offering team, and our small group leaders. Sabrina, our daughter, serves on the weekend services production team and helps with our children's ministry. Helps with the children's ministry. Justin, our son, serves on the children's production team. Additionally, Nicole is an area director of the children's area, and I get to host the K through fourth grade, which is awesome. It really helps to be the same size as some of them. <laughs> we love partnering with the families at Emmanuel to make sure they have a good experience with our church. But even more than that, we love, to, we love to help people experience God in a real way each weekend. I love this part. This is what he wrote. We don't feel that serving gives us a kind of purpose. We know that serving in these areas is our God-given purpose, and we can't wait to see God continue to move in our community. Isn't that awesome? I just love that. I want to make a bold statement today as we wrap this thing up. In your notes there. Discovering your purpose and making an impact is God's will for your life. That's big. In other words, if you don't discover your purpose, how God has gifted you, and begin using it to help other people, you will never experience the in-the-zone life, the abundant life that Christ came to give you, this in-the-spirit life that Paul described. I'm telling you, the people that I know closest in my life, I've got some really good friends really close to me in my life. Every single one of them, almost every single one of them, is giving themselves over to a bigger purpose, a bigger cause, outside of themselves. There's a focus, there's a dedication, I would even call it a mission or a calling. In fact, if you pin them down, they'd say, yeah, I have a job and I do that job, but I, have a, I really have a mission in my life to use this job to bless this group of people or this group of people or this group of people. And, I, and those, those, my friends, they're not, they're not all perfect and they don't have problem-free lives. But I would say they're getting pretty close to living in the zone life. Here's the way Jesus said it. He said, if you try to hold on to your life and cling to it, you're going to lose it. But if you give your life away for my kingdom and for my namesake, you will find it. You have a purpose. There's a reason behind your life. The two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. So here, let me close by asking this question. 
You've heard a lot. Are you all in? It's a tough question. You heard me talk in week one about trusting Christ with your whole life. Last week, you heard me talk about connecting to the vine through the weekend service and small group and spiritual practices. And today, you heard me talk about how important it is to discover your purpose and begin implementing that to make an impact in people's lives. That's a lot. Are you all in? You know, when you walked in today, you got a chip. Did you get it? Did everybody get their chip? We made these chips with the Emmanuel E on them. so that you would remember this series, so that you would remember what it means to go all in, so that you would remember if you should make the commitment to go all in, your commitment. Yeah, that's the time where I said I was going to go all in with my life. If you're not happy with the level of, uh, of, of your spirituality, the joy and peace levels in your life, or if you're not happy with what you're getting from your faith, and you know you need to make a change, decide to go all in. I gave you this chip. So everybody grab your chip really quick. Here's what I'd like you to do. Put it in your thumb like this, and I'd like you to flip it. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> but isn't that fun, though? Do you ever do that? Just Sometimes I'll just sit there and flip. Anyway, I don't want you to flip your coin. I would like you to, gra- I would like you to grab it. I would like you to grab it, and if you didn't get one, maybe they'll give you one on the way out. <laughs> it's a real poker chip. You can gamble with it. Maybe not. <laughs> I'd like you to grab it. And here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to think with me and, 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 and make a decision to say to God right now, God, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go all in. I'm going to mess it up. That's what grace is all about. But I'm going to make a decision to go all in, to make a commitment. I'm going to discover my purpose. And I'm going to begin implementing that to make a difference. Would you grab that chip right now? I want to pray for you. Um, This this is sort of a prayer of commitment for your life. Will you pray with me? Jesus, you're here with us today. And we got this chip in our hands, and it, it just represents our heart towards you today, towards this life that you've created for us, this life you've made possible. And today, to the best of our ability, with all of our faults and failures and shortcomings, we we say to you, we're all in. We're committing today to trust you with our whole life, to abide and connect with you, and to discover our purpose and make an impact in this world. Help us to fulfill that commitment today in your presence. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, now, if you prayed that prayer, if you prayed that prayer, here's what I would love for you to do. I would love for you to go to myeclife.org slash all in, and what you're going to find there is a simple commitment. You're going to basically verbalize by checking a box that you prayed that prayer, and you grabbed this chip, and you flipped it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, and you're all in. Now, here's, here's why we need you to do this. We need every single, even, even for those of you who say, yeah, but I'm already all in. See, I don't need to go to the website. I'm cool. I'm in a small group. Okay, great. I still want you to go to the website, or you can go to the church app. I still, we still need you to check the box and say, I'm all in, because here's what, here's what that's going to allow us to do. We believe with all of our heart, God's done some great things in the last 40 years. 40 years. We're looking at the next 40 saying, God, how, how are we going to continue to launch campuses and bless our community? Well, it's going to take all of us, not just a few people. It's going to take all of us. So when you check that box, basically you're saying to all of us, the staff and the volunteers, hey, 
I'm available. At some level, in some way, I'm available. I'm checking the box. I want to be part of the team. I don't want to just be a spectator or a fan watching from the stands. I'm, I'm all in, and I want to play a role in this movement of seeing people come to Christ and grow in Christ. So go to this website. If you prayed that prayer, check that box. It'll send it in to us. Fair, fair challenge? Now, let me close by saying this. You know, no one lived more on purpose than Jesus did. Do you agree with this? Like his whole life had one purpose, to seek and save the lost. Like he came to this earth and he died on a cross to wash away your sin and my sin, to remove the guilt and the shame, to reconcile you back to God, to make it, to, to make it possible for you and I to be in a relationship with God. That was the purpose of his life and he fulfilled it perfectly. Why? Because he loved you. The Bible actually says it, that God demonstrated his love for you and I, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved you. He loves you. I don't know if you've heard that recently, but it's true. He loves you, and he proved it by dying on the cross for you so you can be forgiven of your sins. You say, well, how do I respond to that? What do I do with that? Here's what you do what I did. You do what many others have done. You simply receive that love by faith. You say to Christ today, wow, I, I trust you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose again. Come into my life and be my savior. If you'd like to make that decision today, I'm going to say a simple prayer. It's a prayer of faith. You can take these words if you feel God moving in your heart and you can pray them. Make them your own and pray to God. And right now you can become a child of God. Will you pray with me? Just take these words, make them your own. Dear Jesus, Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Thank you for fulfilling your purpose. You paid the price. You paid the penalty so I could be forgiven. Cleanse me. Wash me. Make me your child today by faith. Today I'm choosing to go all in. I'm choosing to trust you with my entire life, to abide and stay connected to you to use my life to make an impact for others. I love you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, first of all, we want to give God glory for what he's done. If you just prayed that prayer, we want to put a gift in your hands. It's a one-year New Testament. You can get them on the way out. It's just a way to get you started on your faith. It's sort of a catalyst. We believe that the Bible says... We know that the Bible says your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so we encourage you to read it every single day. Also, when you go back there, the team's going to talk to you about something called Starting Point. It's a little small group environment, short-term small group environment designed to help you find answers to your questions. Uh, if you've been away from faith for a while or you just have some questions uh, getting your faith started. So they'll talk to you about that on your way out. One more time, can we give God glory today for what he's done? So take your chip. Last night I saw on Twitter somebody put it on a chicken. I don't know why. Put it on a full roasted chicken. They were saying, we're all in. This chicken's all in my stomach. That's what it said at the bottom. I thought that was hysterical. Take this chip. Put it somewhere. Put it somewhere that's going to remind you of your decision today that you've decided to go all in. Make sure you go to eclive.org slash all in and check that box for us. Will you pray with me? God, thank you so much for the clarity of your word. You've given us responsibility. There's purpose to our lives. You've created us as masterpieces, is what you said. You've 
got good works for us to do. You've prepared for us in advance to walk in them. Help us to find those, those works, discover our gifting, and make an impact in this world. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. Love you. See you next week for Mother's Day.